Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Just here to record another episode of Startup Hustle with you, buddy. And while we're here, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We can help you build a software development team quickly and affordably. Now, today's topic is something you have had some experience with. It is. Through your kids. Eating, Eating yes. <laughs> yes. I have the munchies today. This is perfect. Well, that was, I thought that was after the CBD or the cannabis episode. <laughs> you know, I don't have a hangover today, but I am really tired um, from the weekend and these snacks look really good. Well, speaking of snacks with us today, we have Lisa Reagan, who is the founder and owner of Safely Delicious. Now, you know, I like it when you are interactive. So I want you to go to safelydelicious.com and that way you have some idea what we're talking about. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Matt and Matt. Yes, you can just yell Matt and one, someone will likely reply. Matt is awesome. Okay, yes. great. Thank you. Matt squared. Oh, I thought he was talking about me. He's probably talking about himself. So <laughs> um, before we get too far into this, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the microphone for a second and give us an idea about what you do at Safely Delicious. Sure. So um, Safely Delicious is a company we manufacture, package, and sell allergy-friendly snacks, that are free of the top 11 food allergens. Uh, they are also uh, gluten-free. There is no cholesterol, nothing artificial, no preservatives. They're low in sodium and high in iron. And it's just an all-around great delicious snack. So for people, whether they have food allergies or not, they seem to really enjoy our products. I mentioned earlier that, that Mr. Watson, or should I say Master Watson, um, has some familiarity with this. You have a couple kids that have, is it just one or two? That... Just one. So I have three kids and my, my middle son who's five is allergic to cashews and pistachios uh, cashews and pistachios. And with that, that can be a rather violent reaction to yes. like to the point that it's like remarkably He's, dangerous. Uh, so I first learned about his uh, problem when he was about two. Um, I don't even remember, but Costco used to sell these really cool like cashew peanut cluster things and they're delicious. And I was eating them and I just gave him one, thought nothing of it. And then next thing I know, like two hours later, um, he like puked and could barely breathe and like was having some sort of weird thing. Didn't know what the hell was going on. Uh, we gave him some Benadryl. And we just kind of put him to bed and he was fine, but it was like a really scary, weird thing. We didn't understand what was going on. It wasn't until the next day that we started doing the, like thinking about it and figuring out, oh, I bet it was something in the nut cluster we gave him. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to guess that's where most of these stories start is about like that yes, one. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so a little background. So I actually, um, I have four children, their age is now 13 to 22 and back in I want to say it must have been 2004, my youngest, now is 13, um, he had had a very serious reaction to cashews as well. Ah. So I get the cashew thing. and But prior to that, um, my now 16-year-old, so he had been having uh, really bad GI issues, and I guess it was around 2004, and he was diagnosed being allergic to 
peanuts. Okay. And then we also knew we had issues with the dairy and gluten and uh, soy was the other big one. We couldn't figure out why he just kept having really serious GI problems. And so at 18 months, he was diagnosed allergic to the peanuts and the soy. Mm-hmm. So that was in 2004, my first introduction to the world of food allergies yeah. and having to um, now read all my labels and grocery shopping. It was like a field trip that would take me two hours versus 15 minutes. And it was very overwhelming initially because back then there weren't that many products that were free of multiple food allergens. They might be free of peanuts or they might be free of gluten, but I needed to find stuff that was free of four ingredients for my kid. So then we jump ahead a few years later with child, that was child three. Child four was the one that then had given him some food item. He was, I think, 16 months old and it was dairy free. I knew he couldn't do the dairy thing, but it had the cashews in it. And he had the same thing, started vomiting, broke out in hives, just the whole gamut of say we gave him the Benadryl. We're like, Oh my gosh, is this the same thing again? Like my other kid. And sure enough it was, and his came back being allergic to peanuts, tree nuts, gluten, dairy, soy, and egg. All the things, all the things, all the things. Yes. And so we really, I, I had to then really, I was already being creative with my other son, but now I really had to be creative. Like, okay, what can I, as these kids were getting older and being in social settings and situations where other kids were eating, you know, what kids would consider the fun snacks, my kids couldn't eat any of that stuff. And so, um, well, that's the hardest part. You know, when the kids are at home, you know, we, we know what to feed them and they have their things they eat all the time and they're safe and whatever. But yeah, anytime you go to a party, it's like, okay, nobody feed my kid. You see him, don't give him anything. Right. And by the way, that's really what Matt sounds like in that situation. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Chocolate cakes. No, none of it. Right. Yeah. No, Nothing. I, I totally well, get it. And even to the point where, you know, one of the the um, things we do here locally is our sweet and greet events. Yeah. And I've even asked Matt ahead of time. I'm like, uh, you know, just for different events that they might be, that we might be bringing our kids to. I'm like, do we need to do anything to prepare for this? Cause the last thing I want is for someone to have to rush out of an event cause we put the right wrong food. Well, and I'm, I'm honestly in such a routine of it. That I don't even think about it that much anymore because right. we pretty much just eat the same things all the uh-huh. time. So I don't think about it very much, but when we go to a party or something like that, um, we'll take like Oreos. Mm-hmm. And so Oreos are the snack that he'll get instead of cake or ice cream or something like right, that. Right. The, the biggest thing that we've had to deal with is ice cream. Yes. You know, you know, even if you go buy ice cream and it's, you know, on the, you just buy vanilla, they're all made in the same factory. And ice cream has like got to be the worst when it comes to cross contamination. Yes. He's had two or three reactions to ice cream and they were, they were very small reactions. No big deal. Um, but yeah, any, you know, certain things that cross contamination, like could be made in the same factory on the same equipment mm-hmm. is a problem. But ice cream is the one that has always caused us the problem. So it's like strictly forbidden to have any kind of ice cream unless mm-hmm. it's like soft serve, like custard or something where it's just they only make vanilla custard. It's not right. like they put in walnuts or something like sure. that and chop them up and make Rocky Road or whatever. Sure. Like It's just vanilla ice cream. So sure. that's safe. But yeah, the whole cross contamination part of it is interesting, too. So yes. Lisa, when it comes yes. to Safely Delicious, obviously there was a issue that, you know, had much similar to, to Matt um, was affecting your family and your life. But at what point did you say, man, this is actually, I, I should, it, you know, it's one thing to have an issue and to deal with it. It's another thing to build a business around it. So what's the backstory with that? Um, 
it's an interesting backstory. So um, I had actually been a stay-at-home mom for about 17 years and had gotten divorced and had to go back into the working world outside of the home. And I'd gotten a job over at um, St. Michael's over in Leewood. And I was there about a year and I happened to have made a batch of what's now known as our classic bites. And I took it to work and everybody at work thought I bought it somewhere and they all loved it. And they were like, uh, and I was like, no. And I told them the story to it and everything. And they were like, oh my gosh, you should sell it. And this is at that point I had been making it for about 12 years. Um, it looks and tastes similar to another well-known snack, but it is free of all the food allergens that my kids could hold never on, eat. <laughs> it's snack time. We got to try these. Okay. And so, uh, and oh. like I said, they couldn't believe that it was free mm. of everything. It, they were like, it tastes exactly like something else. It looks like puppy chow. Yeah. And so, um, so anyway, so I, you know, they were, and at the time, um, you know, being kind of new back into having to work and figuring out how I was gonna, you know, financially support myself, both short term and long term, I thought, well, perhaps this was the answer, maybe doing this as a business selling this at the time one product <laughs> might generate a little income for me, a little extra income. And so, um, so that same day, uh, rather than doing work, I was like online coming up with different names of, gosh, what would I call this business if I was going to do a business? And so I came up with the name Safely Delicious because I thought the product was both safe and delicious. And then um, I called my mom and a couple weeks late, she's like, she was going to be um, a vendor at a local church holiday event and was like, would you like to share some of the table space and you can come and sell your product? And I was like, sure, why not? So um, at the time, I, I do not come from a business background. I've worked and volunteered in food industry since I was 12. So being in the food space uh, wasn't anything that was too scary or daunting, at least initially, until you really try to run this as a business. And it's a little bit different. But Well, um, well typically, when someone needs to create income for themselves, starting a business is probably not the best option. <laughs> I mean, for real, it's not because early in, in the early stages of any any business, the likelihood that you're going to make money or provide income for yourself is low. Oh, now, absolutely. Now that said, and you had came in earlier and she was holding a copy of Million Dollar Bedroom and it appeared as if she had read it. I so you, she's the one. Wow. I know. I did read I it. I, I had bookmarked pages. I haven't even thing. read the whole thing. It's a good book. You should read it. I even it's a different. Earmarked. Matt's read the part about him. <laughs> I use it mostly as a doorstop. Yeah. Oh, oh no, it's a good God. read. It's definitely a good read. I learned so, a lot. So it, it, early in the book, I mentioned that anytime you start a new business, you need to understand your path to revenue. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that can have a shorter path to revenue is selling tangible things like mm -hmm. a, an actual product. Now, it doesn't mean you have the product. But things like services and something physical can be a shorter path to revenue. Mm -hmm. So, but once again, difficult to have any. Right. You have no clients. You have no customers. You technically are serving a food product. So there's FDA requirements and right. different stuff like that. So once you decided to do this, what were some of the immediate obstacles that presented roadblocks on your path to revenue? Well, well I'm going to guess it was pretty easy to put this stuff in a Ziploc bag and sell it. To well, other moms, right? But to get it to like package like this yes. and say it's in a special, made in a special place and right. like all like that stuff, right? Yes. Like 
Oh, it's been a, that it's journey. Been a, it's been a, it has been a, a journey. It's been a process and we're still in the process mode, if you will. Um, I initially, as you pointed out, the first time I sold the product to consumers, um, it was in Ziploc bags yep. and it was stickered and yep. the ingredient label was actually in alphabetical order. Like I knew nothing uh. about selling food and, but quickly started learning. And after about the first year of just making it in my home kitchen, my personal kitchen and selling it at local events and that sort of thing, I knew that I wanted to, from just the, um, the circles I was in because of the food allergies with my kids. And when people got to hearing and knowing that we had this kind of a product. And at the time I only had the the classic bites. And then my boyfriend was like, what if you made it with dark chocolate? I'm like, great. So now we have two products and that's all I had for a while. And, um, from getting involved with different local events, I started meeting people who were able to get me connected with other people where after my first year, I was about a year along and I met someone who actually had a commercial kitchen. It was still about 40 minutes from where I lived one way, right. but I knew if I wanted to be in a retail space, it had to be being manufactured somewhere commercially. So, um, so I started doing that and I would drive and during all that time, just let me also side note here. I was still working full time at St. Michael's. So when I started this, like I did not actually leave that job until like last year or, or and, about a and, year and a half and ago. And for those listening, St. So, Michael's is a Catholic church and school. I know that cause it's right around the corner from my house. Yep. But what, and were you, were you a teacher there? Were you no, the- I was the parish administrative assistant. Okay. And so I was doing that full time. And then when I didn't have my kids evenings and weekends, I would drive out to this kitchen and I would spend maybe eight to 10 hours just making the product and packaging it. And at the time, again, my packaging was very quickly after the Ziploc bag weekend, um, I went and was selling it in these white bakery bags that had little windows and I was still stickering the whole thing up. Kind of like what you like get some donuts in or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. And the big turning point for me really into what, and what the version you see now of packaging is, uh, is like our third version. It's been edited a few times. It's very nice and professional. I was going to say the packaging does look great. I mean, when I look at this, I mean, I definitely see this as like the, you know, I, I say this a lot, but you got to look like you're in the business of whatever it is you say you do. Yes. And that definitely, I would, would you say that passes that this passes? Yeah, that it looks test? very professional. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. And the thing I like about it too, is it's, it's, well, by the way, I, I do want to say I, you picked a great name. Thank I, you. I think that safely delicious is, um, it, it doesn't necessarily tell me what's in the bag, but as a, as a name, and I want to commend you on not trying to be overly clever or overthink your logo. Um, <laughs> by the way, if you're watching, go check it out, uh, here at the 14th minute of the show, but on the YouTube channel, I'm holding this up and we'll put some pictures of these on the, uh, at startup hustle podcast, Instagram. But I look at this right away and I can see what's in it. I see it says safely delicious, big white letters at the top, allergy friendly snacks. And I, I like the fact that there is a, a streaming banner of sorts that goes gluten free, dairy free, nut free, soy free, egg free and vegan all on the front. Now, that has to be a product of your frustration of reading product labels, right? Yeah. Like reading the ingredients <laughs> on the back of stuff. Yes. And I when I um, what. How I ended up with the packaging was I had applied in, I want to say it was 2017, spring of 2017, to be part of the Specialty Food Association. And they accepted me and they notified uh, from the land of Kansas here that does food business as a resource in the state. 
And they contacted him and said, hey, you've got this new Kansas business and the fancy food show in New York City is in two months and you still have a booth for the Kansas area at the show. Maybe this business might want the booth. Nice. So they called me and they were like, do you want it? I'm like, sure. Didn't ask how much it was. Had no idea. But I was like, sure, we'll be there. Uh, it was very expensive. But um, and so in, in two months time, I quickly went and had to go from being in white bakery bags to bags that looked like I belong in the shelf next to Enjoy Life Foods and Made Good and all those other big companies that I had been purchasing their products for years. I needed to look like I belonged on that same shelf in the grocery store. So when I showed up at the trade show, I actually only had prototypes. I didn't even have the bags printed yet. It was just the pro. This is what it's going to look like once I get some orders. How did that show go? Did that help really propel you forward? Well, you know, that was was another big turning point for our business. Um, Why we were there, it was literally like two in the afternoon on the last day of the show. And, um, some of the management team from Ball Foods grocery stores here in Kansas City, they were at the show. Ah. And they, the, you know, what the, what they told me was they were getting ready to leave and they were kind of like, you know, let's just go by and see who showed up from Kansas this year. And there so and so they came over and they Kansas tried my product. Kansas, home of the Chiefs, by the way, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Missouri. Oh. Uh, so, also named, named Kansas. Sorry. No. So anyway, so... um. So they tried my products and they loved them and they were like, why don't we know about you? And I was like, I'm fairly new. And so they're like, we need to meet with you when you get back home and we need to get you in all our stores and help you get this going. And that that's was, awesome. That was that's the support we need right there. Their, their grocery stores were the first ones that we uh, two months later, they started rolling me out again, still working full time at St. Michael's. And now I'm going to be uh, getting released in grocery stores right in Kansas City. So, so how long ago was that? That was fall of 2017. So, okay. so I tell people, I feel like we're really only two years old because that's really when, as a business, I felt like we've, if you want to call it, become legit. Like now we're getting into Constantino's and we're like in all the high V's and I mean, didn't all happen at once, but these are know. all grocery store chains here in town. Yes. Yeah. But the high V's are You're, you're reaching Midwest. a rather large audience here on Startup Hustle. Yes. So 190 countries, all 50 U.S. states. Where, Great. Where else do you have distribution for this? Is it on so, places like Amazon and stuff yes, like that? Yes, yes. We are just now, we just released out on Amazon about like two weeks ago. So we're very new okay. on Amazon. Everybody listening, now, you can now, get this on yes, Amazon. Yes. Acor- according to Andrew Morgan's, our local an- Amazon expert, yes. um, getting involved. Do you know Andrew? Uh, Andrew know? actually is who connected me with the person I'm working with. He works with some people. I met with Andrew Look to do that. Amazon mm-hmm. and and um, I wasn't quite ready for Andrew, but he had someone he works with sure. for smaller businesses. And so he directed me to Aaron and I've been working with Aaron, who Andrew works with. Yeah, Aaron so, as an Aaron Falk? Aaron Halls. Oh. Uh, no, Aaron Hughes. I'm sorry. Aaron Hughes. Sure. No, no. Different Aaron. A man, Aaron. Okay. But, Aaron, but I, Aaron, I know Aaron. Aaron, Aaron Falk spells her name like a man. Hi, Aaron. <laughs> and why? I know that Aaron too, but yeah. that's not the same Aaron. Yes. So, well, that's good. So you found the distribution, which is, uh, you know, I want to point something out. You mentioned the story and you tell the story of the specialty food show. There, there was no luck involved there. Like you took a big risk in going yes. out there. And, you know, at the at, at, on the last day of shows like that, it's easy to just mail it in. And, you know, like you're already tearing down your booth, yep. you don't care. But, you know, sometimes that's, uh, she mentioned, she had found a copy of, of Million Dollar Bedroom because we were at the fund conference. Okay. And at the end of the, the second day, 
we were beginning to pack up the full scale boxes we right. have. And I was like, no, 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 let's go give these out. We're not carrying this shit home. No, we didn't bring it here to, to <laughs> bring it home. So, and did you find that box on your table? Yes. Yeah, so what yeah. had happened was I had to, I, I was there the first day and that's where I saw you speak and all the other speakers Matt and that was sort there of too. thing. Uh, you were on a, that panel, right? I was, was a, on the panel. It yeah. was a great conference. I really learned a lot. And so, but the second day, um, I had to, I had to sneak away for a couple hours because I had to go to Topeka for a luncheon where um, I was receiving an award. But it's like I didn't want to miss the opportunity of being able to showcase our our products. And so they let me set up my booth area. And then I was like, I raced to Topeka, did the lunch for two hours, raced back, and I get there, and it's like only had like most people were. I was like, oh well. And then there was your box, and I was like cool and then i was like but you weren't there i was like i wanted to find you to thank you and i was so so anyway i took it home read the book and it was great i learned a lot so well i'm glad i'm glad that that worked i actually had a, a completely different email about that recently and someone had said the same thing they're like i found your stuff sitting at the table and the point is is you know take a shot yeah like you what would they say you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take well what's interesting is in theory, you should have been able to get to ball the, 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 the group here anyways. But because you went to New York and looked probably a little more legitimate to them, they're like, hey, this this lady's must be big, must be going somewhere. <laughs> or or as, right? as, and as you're com- like, I'm scrambling to get I here and no I got idea. my prototype. Well, it's committed <laughs> and committed. Yeah. And committed to yeah. the hustle. Because, yeah. you know, I'm sure when you're and I don't know anything about food distribution, like literally nothing. But I would assume that a lot of these places get people kind of like beating on their door with yeah. the with the white bakery bag. Yes. Hey, carry this. And you're sitting there going, oh, man, I need you to be a little further down the line than this. Yeah. But being able yes. to see that that you'd made some progress and stuff like that. OK, so um, so now you're in, you, you get into some grocery stores, you get in, you're on Amazon and some other stuff. What are some of the challenges that you face when it comes to growing the business? Because um, I see that this doesn't exactly expire. Is this like it? it well, so it's a, I mean, it's like a year. Yes. So initially for us, um, some of our initial challenges were, uh, which some of it we still do. So when we manufacture our products, so we manually, we hand make our products all ourselves. I have a team of people. We manufacture them. We package them. We do it all ourselves. And initially, um, it was all of everything was manual. And so the best we could get on our shelf life was six months. So I had, I worked with the, um, there's a food science lab up at K-State. And so I've worked with them from the beginning of when we were starting to go into grocery stores to make sure that we were doing it like it was all right what we were doing and they were the ones who also helped me create the nutrition labels and the ingredient label. like again all that stuff was stuff i you know didn't know how you, how do people get all that information so they were the ones initially helping me with all of that um but then um where was i going with this thought um <laughs> <laughs> by the way by the way, by the way while you collect that i did just try these they are delicious that's pretty good Thank do you. you believe so we were talking about the yes. distribution yes, and the challenges okay. but- so yes yeah, so so the challenge was like i said thank you was um we needed to um figure out like i know i need to have a longer shelf life we had been approached by people internationally we're not there yet we've been working with the food export association eventually i do see our products now na- internationally 
Right now, we've been growing it nationally. It's in 13 states around the U.S. and growing. But getting that longer shelf life was really going to be the ticket for us because especially like right now, we do distribute to Hy-Vee. Like I ship pallets of these products to the Hy-Vee uh, warehouse in Iowa, and then they distribute and sell them to all their Hy-Vee health markets throughout the U.S. Do you send and those so, to Iowa and then they send yes. them back here? Yes. Interesting. I originally, it makes sense. Well, before I got into their warehouse, I was doing direct going around stores and filling the shelves myself. Okay. And I still do that for all my Cosentino and Ball Foods accounts. I still do that. Okay. But um, but with the distribution channel part, you know, getting that one-year shelf life has been huge. And so this summer, um, after we had gotten an SBA loan, I did invest in getting some equipment that helped us with our bag sealing and our flushing and everything to help extend that shelf life. Yeah, what and did that's you have to do? Deal. Add a certain ingredient or what? No, 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 no. It's nothing like that. It's just the process. It's just the equipment that when you are, it goes through this machine thing and then um, it just it basically flushes out the oxygen so that the, and I have about like the a packaging. Oh, there's no oxygen in the bag. There's very little ah. versus initially, like if you just close a bag and seal it, it would have like a, maybe a level of 19% oxygen. Okay. Like the air we breathe is about okay. 20, 21%. And that'll cause it to My spoil. Right. So it would have maybe a six to eight month shelf life. Well, Got now it. because of the process and what we're using, it can get the percentage down to anywhere from like about six or 7% oxygen in the bag, which allows us this 12 to 15 month shelf life nice. now. So okay. it's huge because that does open us up. Now we can actually even go after even, which we're working on right now, getting into other distribution channels, other big distributors who will feel comfortable. They get the product and it might sit there for a couple of weeks. They're not working. And nobody's feeling antsy like, oh my God, we got to get it and got to push it and get it sold in the right. next like two months. So it, that's been big for us. Is something else with the sale of this stuff. So I would imagine, all right, so my only experience is something like books. And if you send your books out to Barnes and Noble and they don't sell, they send them back when mm -hmm. you get to take them back, um, which can equate to a giant warehouse full of unsold books. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same as spoilage mm -hmm. or something else. Um, yeah, I would think that as a immediate as a brand new product, getting people to care is that a bit of a challenge? Uh, and, and, yes. and, and do you have to, in fact, send this to take, agree to take the stuff back if people don't buy it? Um, we don't take it back. Uh, well, okay, let me say this. The stores here locally that I actually manage here locally, initially when our products were at a six-month shelf life, I would go in and pull the bags when they were within a month of expiring, and then I would turn around and donate them to certain local charities where they could then give them out. So there's gotcha. like a homeless program. I give it to them. There's the Food Equality Initiative. It's a food bank for people with food allergies. I'd give it to them. So it never like ever got to the point of I had to throw away product. And then when it comes to um, with the high V distribution, they... Um, only once in the last year I've been working with them did they contact and say, we have a couple cases that are close to expiring. And they're and they asked me, they said, do you mind if we just donate them? I'm like, absolutely. They so, actually checked that shit because yeah. I don't know how many times been in the grocery store and bought stuff that was expired. Well, that's, once, well, oh, that's yeah. once it's in the store. And I can't <laughs> once speak it's in the to, store, yeah. I can't speak to it. But at the <laughs> warehouse, like they keep on top of it in the warehouse before they're going to send it to the stores. So that's how we handle, that's how that was handled. Multiple so, times I've had that happen. 
Yeah. So I've not, fortunately, again, been blessed so far, not had like a big issue with spoilage or return product because of it being expired. It was more, like I said, and it was when we were six months. Now that we're a year, we haven't seen that. So, if, so. so if I went to Hy-Vee today, would I find this in like the snack aisle or like the health, like there's It'd a be health, in the health market. It'd be okay. in the health market in the gluten-free aisle section where there'd be like other um, allergy-friendly like cookies and maybe um, it dep- it's usually where the cookies are. But okay. that's the thing is our product is a snack bite. It doesn't, we, we're, I'm like almost feeling like I'm trying to create a new category here because yeah, I was gonna it's ask not, you. A, it's really hard when I've been trying. Is there to, anything else like this? No, we are the only snack like this. I'm going to guess there's things that are like kind of like cracky crackers or cookies it's not though but this isn't either one of those that's it's not yeah yeah so it's like it's like candy checks mix yeah it's like checks mix yeah but without it's, the peanuts or gluten, without the checks or dairy yes or soy or peanut true it's without any of it <laughs> so i have a i have a question so yes. you have to make this stuff yes is it difficult to source all the all the ingredients? Like you don't get to use dairy. There's no nuts. So much of everything has soy in it. Mm-hmm. Can't have any eggs. It needs to be vegan. It can't be gluten free. Like what's left? Other ingredients that like are what? not that way. Well, so, yeah. so so speaking of that for a second, if you have kids that are super sensitive to this, you can't even buy beef that was fed soy and eat the beef. If you're that allergic to soy. So if you're somebody who's definitely allergic to some of these things, it's really brutal because you can even buy like meat products and stuff that would have been fed soy. Wow. I mean, it's brutal. So I've but lived, luckily you I've, don't have any meat, so you don't have to no, deal with that part no, of it. No I've meat. lived my whole life like completely allergy free. <laughs> I mean, I really have. And like, and so it's, I mean, honestly, I'm very, I'm not informed at all. I'm yeah. very... I'm very naive and I can, I have a very difficult time. Um, I don't want to say empathizing, but relating to the struggle. Cause it's just not something I've, it's ever been mm-hmm. a thing for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, I've known a lot of people that have different kinds of allergies. The closest I've come is when I lived in North Carolina, I realized that I may be allergic to mold, <laughs> which just gives me a headache. <laughs> It's not like the end of the world. It's not like, you know, eating something that's going to like close your throat and you're going to die. Yeah, like right. I don't have to carry an EpiPen or so a lot of that. But I mean, the, I get it. The struggle's real. So what is the future for, for you? Where do you see this going? Well, I see it becoming a to snack. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, right now it's your distribution still yeah. mostly Kansas City. No, through the Midwest. Okay. So we're in, like I said, um, we're in close to 200 locations throughout the United States. Nice. And then there's also several online businesses that are online stores or wholesale channels for other food or um, maybe grocery markets or businesses where they sell products like ours so they can purchase through that. Our I website's s- an online store. I so. saw Shark Tank was coming to Kansas City. Are you going to go yeah. audition to be on Shark Tank? Yes. I, I've, I've are you really? Yeah. You are? Yeah. Yes. I've done it already a couple of times. I guess I'm not big enough yet. I don't know. They haven't paid. We've tried You it. never know. We've you got to keep, you got to keep taking shots. That's exactly so. Yeah. yeah. So I've done it. The, I, the first time I did it was we drove to um, Dallas, Texas. My youngest, he went with me. He's part of my pitch. And then, um, and then the last, yeah. and then last year we uh, drove to Lincoln, Nebraska and pitched again. Nice. And he went with me. Keep and trying. so, yeah. So he's like, he's like, Hey, I think we should do it one more time. So I told him, I said, Hey, I hear they're going to be here in Kansas city. And he was like, cause he kept thinking I'd be taking him on another road trip this year. Like, where are they coming this year? And We're going like, to Cleveland guys. <laughs> oh, so, maybe not. So, what do you, yes, what do you so. sell these for? 
So um, they retail, the big bags retail anywhere from like five sixty nine to five ninety nine. dollars okay. It's not bad. And then the little guys will retail anywhere from two forty nine dollars to two ninety nine. So it just depends on, you know, who's selling them. So you'd count this but as a single serving. That, that is, bag. yep. Yep. The one ounce bag is a single serving. Okay. And then the big bag is three What do you have servings. there, Matt? Raspberry bites? Yeah, I got raspberry. We got lemon, pumpkin, mocha. I ate the classic. Yeah, the classic. Was now, good. I'm now. Can you make a keto friendly one, and then I'll be able to eat it? Because I'm currently on that diet, and I, I'm finding like it. You know, that's probably the closest thing that I can relate to when it comes to an allergy thing. Because right. with the keto diet, you, can, you eat uh, like two bites of the wrong thing, and you just like ruined that whole day, oh. that, that whole day of effort. Um, you know what won't ruin a whole day of your effort, Matt? It's playing mixtape. Yes, and it's that time. Have you played mixtape before? No. Do you know what it is? No. Oh, yeah. So I've pulled a card from the mixtape deck. You can go to mixtapethegame.com. You can also download the mixtape app. If you have Spotify Premium, you'll love it. If you don't, you might not. It's available on iOS and Android. And we fixed the bugs from it from the episode where we tried <laughs> to announce the new app and it, and it crashed. All right, so I'm going to read a scenario, and we're all going to name a song that comes to mind, and then we will vote, and you may not vote for yourself. What song will you sing during your The Voice audition? I'm going with I'm going to go with She Bangs by Ricky Martin. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? With that, while you guys think of your answers, I was once friends with William Hung, the guy who made that song kind of famous from uh-huh. from American Idol, yeah. and then he unfriended me. I don't know hmm. why he doesn't want to be friends anymore. So, William, where are you, buddy? And that one went out for you. Does anyone else have an answer? I'm thinking. You can literally name any song I- I'm gonna in the go history with, of songs. Uh, Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, because I know I can belt that shit out. Yeah. You, do you I'm going to nail it. You have it. the voice of an yes. You want to try some? No. Come on. No, I'm saving it up for later. Oh my goodness! Um, probably the song "Roar" by Katy Perry. Oh, all right, <laughs> that'll probably get Watson's vote. Will it? Um, I gotta go with the shebangs because of the <laughs> the William Hung thing. You know, just... I mean, that guy rocked that yeah. on American Idol. I mean, he was like probably you know, in some ways, the reason we know who he is. That could have been like one of the original quote viral videos. Does that sound about right? Did you know anything else that went viral? Like, think about that. Oh, that the first like, one was the goofy guy with the Roman song or whatever. Uh, I don't remember what it was. Well, but my point but was yeah. it was pretty uh, an early stage. Yeah, All right. Was. So I'm going to vote for Lisa. Okay. I'm voting for you. Thanks, Lisa. Looks like you get to determine who's who might win. I'm voting for for me, bang! <laughs> you know what? And uh, I never do this because I usually pass this off. But I'm going to actually do a selfie video straight. I'm going to shoot the money gun into my own camera. Here we go, and I'm going to take my own. <laughs> wow! So much money came out. You pop the batteries out and everything. I don't know how that happened. Anyway. Hey, I'm I'm going to Las Vegas in two weeks. Can I take the money gun? You may not. Damn. Okay. Well, now we know we'll have a video that knows what. Whoa, I did. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How did God, the batteries came Rejected. out? There's, I mean, there's literally like money. Like, wow. Okay. So I have a question for you. Yes. How many, how many people or kids these days have 
one of these allergies? Like what percentage of the people? 32 million people have food allergies it's in our country. Con- almost 10% of the country. And then right? uh, about, if I remember correctly, I want to say there was about 15 million kids um, that have at least one allergy. And then it's a pretty significant number of kids that have more than one allergy. So, so basically two kids in every class have a food allergy of some sort. It's, it is insane. So, you know, I have little yes. kids and it's like, there is somebody in every class that's allergic to either strawberries or soy or peanuts. Yes. And my kid is cashews. My yes. tree nuts. I remember it's the strawberry all the thing. Things, I mean, eggs, the, dairy, yes. all of it. Yes. Nut, crazy. Nut allergies feel, I mean, those are like, that's like a new phenomenon. Cause you know, I'm 44 years old and I don't ever remember people having nut allergies. And that's what I wanted kid. to talk about for a second is, yes. So, yeah, when I was younger, I don't remember any of this shit. But so any idea what the statistics are for other countries? I don't know those. I don't think I other don't countries have these problems the same way we do. So you think we're so, we're creating it's, it's something about some we, what we diet. eat, our environment, or the, the environment, um, maybe even the way we process our food, the way something. we grow our food. What's well, coming from the earth to, and how we just keep re, you know, the, the farm fields, every, it's just all different now. According to my wife, some of it has to do with some of like, so when our kids were young, she would like give them a, like a little tiny bit of peanut butter right, and different stuff. So according, you know, her theory of it was some of it had to do with the way we introduced foods to our own kids and meaning like now all of a sudden they haven't had in any of something. And now yeah, they're but, three and then their body doesn't, it doesn't, re, it starts to reject it. I can't remember what the, the theory of it was, but, but, but a lot of these things, like, so mine was allergic and he was like two or three to cashews and you, right. you said mine one was, of yours was 18 was, months. Yeah. Spencer was 16 months old. So most of the like, kids don't eat this stuff. This, it's, yeah. and, right. And I mean, it's not start, like we if, didn't if, introduce it. Or to if them. we it's would, not, well, that would have been their first time is that was kind of, if you want to call an indirect way, we introduced it to him. Like I gave him food that had cashews in it and it wasn't that much. Cause it was part, it was like one of many ingredients in something. So it wasn't like, yeah, it was. And he had that reaction. And my, I mean, in theory, these kids yes. could be living on nothing but mother's milk at this point. Right. Yes. Yeah. Not right. a lot of foods. Right. And so, but then the other thing is, so then my other son, when I came to thinking, okay, I'm pretty sure we realized it was the soy that was call, causing yeah. his GI stuff because I knew he couldn't do dairy. So I kept, when he turned a year old, giving him soy products and rice products like soy milk, rice milk. And they were like, it's the soy that keeps giving him all these problems. Yeah. And it was from that test. It just so happened. They said, oh, by the way, and it looks like he's off the charts with peanut. I'm like, wonderful. Cause I hadn't done peanut yet. Yeah. So that was kind of, we got kind of saved by that one. So. I just think it's, it, it is definitely a crazy phenomenon in the United States. Like you said, like 10% of people or something have these, these allergies and we're both d- directly affected by it, but I don't think it's near as a big a problem in other parts of the world, but it'd be interesting as you, mm-hmm. as your business continues to grow to figure out how, you know, if you saw it internationally and right. how other countries. I think a problem, I mean, a lot of it, I think in a lot of countries, you know, you look at like Africa or wherever, like they're probably not even eating processed foods there. Right. And these are things oh, right. that these are added ingredients that we have created. I think it's got to be the Could my be. theory is it's like all the herbicides and all the crap they put on the the wheat and everything on the fields. Yeah, all that stuff. It's got like um it starts breaking down and messing what's with What's that Monsanto our... crap they're trying to outlaw? Yes. Roundup. Yeah, that. <laughs> that they soak all our food in and then we eat it. I don't it's got to be really soak good our for food in Roundup. They do the wheat I mean, they, yeah, there's definitely. They hose it down. 
But if you go to safelydelicious.com, <laughs> there will be no roundup. No, you can round get up. gluten, yeah. dairy, nut, soy, egg free products yep. that's also vegan. Or if you just like food, they're delicious. Yes. Yeah, that too. So, Lisa, we like to finish our episode to start off hustle by doing what we call the Founders Freestyle, which is can be exactly what it sounds like. Um, in your case, I'm going to make a request. Um, we don't have food product companies on here a lot. So I'd like to directly request that you give some input or advice to anybody that has a food product that they want to get out to the market. Uh, advice. Well, or just like something based <laughs> on your experience. It could, yes, I mean, I it could be anything. Like there's always something that we forget to think about as entrepreneurs sure, that's sure. not, you know, not good. Well, I will share this. So a lot of what I know and have come to know and learn that I would then share with others is aligning yourself with the right groups or organizations that will have and know all the information you don't know. So like for me, when it came to food, if you're a Kansas-based business, being part of From the Land of Kansas as a food business is a definite must. Um, working with the Small Business Development Center over at Johnson County Community College. That was like a major, that that I started with them right around the same time I, I went to the trade show. And so they were able to, you know, as a food business, give me resources and direction of things I need to be thinking about and considering. Um, at some point, if I was going to go commercial, I needed to be able to, you know, I was using this space that was you know, 40 minutes one way out of the way. And I, and I worked in that space for a whole year. That's the other thing. When you start food, you can be making it out of your kitchen. Um, there is, um, a state law where, um, it's like farmers market law or something like that. Anyway, the point of it is if you're under a certain amount of revenue, you can be selling it out of your kitchen. But if you want to, like I did want to get it into retail and grocery stores, you've got to, you've got to be in that commercial space. And as we were growing and growing quickly and just the logistics between the two jobs, basically, and the drive time and just all the logistics of using someone else's space, not having my own space, I started working with the Department of Agriculture here in Kansas about what would it look like and how would, what would I need to do to create my own commercial space. So my space now is my space. Okay. And we've been in it now going on two years. So I know unequivocally that what is in my space, I don't ever have to worry about cross-contamination issues. I don't have to worry about people coming in that I don't know. Um, but I work very closely with them of what that would look like. And so then when it came time to be inspected from the state of Kansas to be recognized as a food processing plant, or I had my first FDA inspection uh, last summer, you know, making sure we were doing all the things we were supposed to be doing as a food business. There's a lot more, though, when you're doing allergies than if it's just a basic food business. Um, but I think, you know, there's so many resources, you know, again, when you're doing the food thing, understanding and realizing, you know, you're going to have to learn about nutrition labels and you're going to have to learn about ingredients. Like there's just, I know there's programs out there that you can probably take classes to do that. But, um, for me, I just jumped right into it and I had an idea, I had a product and then I started seeking out, you know, people that could help me navigate what I needed to do and who I needed to be talking to in order to sell a food product. Well, and I think in any kind of business, we, we start it and there's a lot of, a lot of times where we don't know what we don't know. Right. There's just so many things you do not know about and will not know about like right. packaging and labeling and all these things. Right. And you just got to get out there and ask, right. ask for help. There's Absolutely. people in the community that will help. And that's, what's great about it. I yeah. I, I did. You have something. I'm else? sorry. I was just going to add though. The other thing though, because um, I will go, 
speak over at the college once a month to their business basics in a day class. And they will have some people in there that'll have food businesses and they'll, you know, speak to me afterwards. And one of the things I do share with them, or I always think about and want them to think about is whatever your product is that you're making, like people go, I've got a cookie business. Well, what makes your cookie any different than the other cookies that are already out there? Like what's going to differentiate your product from what's already being sold in the market? And what, you know, know, I always hear, oh, what problem are you solving? Well, with food that maybe there's a problem, maybe there's not. But like for me, the problem that I solved was I didn't feel there was still enough products out there that are free of multiple food allergens. It's still a small handful that are free of top eight or top well, 11. Well, when you think about food, it doesn't seem like there'll be a problem because there's lots of foods. But if you have allergies, like, hey, I have a little kid. We're going somewhere. He needs a special snack. That's mm-hmm. the problem. The problem right. is my little kid needs a special snack. Right. And you want there your is a kid. problem, right? And so, and then, and the problem also being that the kids that have the food allergies, unfortunately, do feel different, and sometimes will get singled out. I know my kids; they'd have a party at school, and you know, somebody bring in the sweet treat, chocolatey treat, whatever. And my kid be handed a piece of licorice. It's like, oh, yay! Yep. So, you know, trying to make kids feel more, you know, they talk so much about inclusiveness and kindness and all these things of how kids should be, you know, with each other. And so, again, our products have kind of helped address that so that, and all kids eat it and they don't know it's allergy friendly. And that's kind of the beauty of it too. So, so did you have anything else to add, Matt? No, I think this is great. Um, like I said, I, I didn't know these existed. Um, I honestly don't go down the, uh, health food aisles usually, um, looking for this kind of stuff, but I will definitely get some of these Thank for my, you. my kids and we will try them. Now, Thanks. before I, before I, uh, do my freestyle, once again, today's episode was brought to you by Fullscale.io. I want to make sure that you go to safelydelicious.com and check it out. I haven't had a chance to try all of the flavors, but the one I tried is good. Um, I mean, I think oftentimes you try to get foods that have a, quote, specialty nature about them, and then you eat them, and you're like, wow, that's why I don't eat these. <laughs> uh, it was good. Um, one of the things that I wanted to um, that I, I wanted to reemphasize. And, um, for those of you that aren't listening here in, in our hometown of Kansas city, many of the things that Lisa mentioned were all local resources. They were, um, groups to help businesses grow, um, to give them advice. And I think really the main thing is, is find other people that are doing what you want to do and ask them a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Like that's really just like, it doesn't matter what industry, it doesn't matter if it's food, software, service, anything, find the people that are doing what you want to do and just be bold enough to ask them. I mean, say, Hey, you're the only person I can think of right now that might have some information. And I would really appreciate it. If you would give me a couple minutes of your time, make it fast and easy for them to do it. Don't ask people to go out of their way to help you. Instead, come to them. That's just a 10 cents worth of advice that'll probably result in a million dollars worth of of free input. But, you know, past that, I mean, don't be afraid to ask and you got to get out there, um, especially with products and things like that. And you have to show people what you're doing. If you keep look back at Lisa's story, she went to a food show realize it was kind of expensive had that not occurred she might be telling a different story today so you just <laughs> got to get out there i mean marketing's all about putting whatever it is that you're selling in front of the most the highest number of eyes possible which is why super bowl commercials are expensive right yep. matt 
Yep. Yep. That's your marketing strategy for next year, right? Super yeah, absolutely. Bowl commercials. Yeah. So, well, we better get back to scripting now. I'll, All I'll, right. I'll see you. you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.